Welcome to the Course Change Podcast. I am the host of the podcast, Thor Chalgren, and I have a question for you. Are you in a groove or are you in a rut? That is my theme for today. And I first want to acknowledge that if you've listened to the show before, you're probably noticing there is something different. Yes, you are correct. Normally, this show opens with music and the introduction where I tell you what the show is about. But today, keeping with the theme of being in a groove or a rut, I decided to mix things up. So for the first time in 24 episodes or whatever it is, we're going to do things a little bit differently because I am reading a book about change. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in today's episode. And this book got me to thinking about how we get into a groove and how we can do things the way that they've always been done. And today I want to talk about whether a groove can become a rut. So this episode is perfect for anyone who feels that maybe they are in a familiar routine. That's probably a way to put it that doesn't feel so judgmental, right? You're in a routine. Maybe your routine is that you always do things a certain way. You have a certain job that you're comfortable with. You have a way of looking at life that is familiar and comfortable to you. But you may be considering if this is a time where you could do something different. So what we're going to do today is ask you to have the willingness to consider whether change is right for you. Okay, now we can play the opening. Welcome to the Course Change Podcast. My name is Thor Chalgren, and every week I love sharing with you stories of people who have made a dramatic career change. We talk about the challenges they faced, the lessons they learned, and the success they found on their own unique journey. Over the course of my own life, I've worked in multiple industries, from startups to corporations. The common factor in my work experience, the ability to adapt to change. If you're looking for insights and inspiration to thrive during change, you'll be glad you listened. All right. I am the host of this podcast, as I said up front. That's kind of exciting. I'm going to see if I like that, doing things a little bit differently. Because change is something that we're all going through. Right now, we are in perhaps the biggest pattern interrupt culturally, societally speaking, probably since World War II. I can't think of something that the entire planet has gone through that has changed so many aspects of our lives fundamentally as this last year with the pandemic. So all of us are feeling change in the way that we normally do things. And so today I want to talk about that and specifically about a book that I'm in the process of reading now. And I feel like this is going to be one of those books that I'll have a lot more to say about, but I want to share a specific experience that I had reading the opening of the book and how it juxtaposed to something else that went on in my life last week. It was reading that book and getting an email and it caused me to be open to asking the question if I'm in a groove or if I'm in a rut. So change isn't always necessarily a bad thing. 
it can be valuable. And there's probably a good reason why in our lives we've developed the ability to systematize the things that we do. I have this theory that it maybe started back in caveman days where in order to survive, you had to systematize certain things, certain ways that you looked at the world so that you could be open to seeing the actual threats that happened. So if you walked out of a cave and you just surveyed your landscape around you, you might have seen trees. Over time, you developed the belief, the knowledge that trees were not actually going to harm you. So you could now filter those out of the thinking that you had to do every day so that you could actually focus on the things that might harm you. It's the same way in our lives. There's things that we do on a continual basis that are systematized in our life. Perfect example is driving a car. When you first learned how to drive a car, everything was new to you. There was nothing that was regular or routine or familiar to you. And so it took all of your focus and attention to be able to know how to drive that car. But now when you get in a car, you hardly have to think about it at all. In fact, most of the things that you do in the car are so routine from how you start it to how you back up to putting on your seatbelt. Next time you get in your car, be conscious of thinking about how many things do I just do in an automated way without even thinking about it. And the reason this is valuable is because this frees up time for us to focus on other things that are meaningful to us. So for instance, listening to a podcast, I mean, think about that. How many people listen to a podcast while they're doing other things? I've listened to them while I do dishes. I listen to them while I go for a walk while I drive a car. In fact, I'm guessing right now, you may be listening to this while you were doing something else. And whatever that thing you're doing is, chances are you are doing it in a, a groove. That's probably a, a good example of a groove. You know how to drive the car. You know how to walk. You know how to wash your dishes. You know how to do your laundry. Those are things that don't require higher level thinking. But there can also be instances where that being in a groove robs us of the possibility of being open to creativity. In other words, if we do things the way we've always done them, then we're not trying new things. If I go down the same road that I've always driven on, I'm not trying a new place, a new area. So there were two big themes in my week last week, and it was kind of fascinating to me that they both occurred in the same week. The first, as I mentioned, was this book that I'm reading. And the second was an email that I got. So first, let me tell you about the book. This is a book called Create the Future, Tactics for Disruptive Thinking. The author's name is Jeremy Gucci. He is the CEO of a company called Trend Hunter, which is the world's number one trend website and innovation consultancy company. Basically, he has created a way for people to look at trends for the future and understand where business is going, society is going, and then for businesses to understand how they can adapt to that change. So there's a brief story I want to tell you about, and this is one he shares in the opening section of the book. And in sharing this story, he's making the point that we are more dependent 
on past decisions than we would like to think. I'm going to repeat that because I think it's a really fundamental point. And that is we are more dependent on past decisions than we would like to think. So for example, I live where I live right now because of a decision that I made 24 years ago. So everything about my living experience now is a result of something that made sense 24 years ago. The writer Joe Dispenza would echo this point, I think, and say that for the most part, we live our lives in the past in the respect that most of what we do in every moment is that we run a script in our mind, a memorized routine that we previously memorized. And we learned how to do something in the past, for instance, and our brains then created a neural pathway. And the more that we repeat that behavior, the more that pathway gets seared into our brain. So it becomes easy for us to do that. So when we do that thing now, we are really just repeating a behavior or action that we took in the past. And so that's why he's saying most of our lives are not actually lived in the moment. They are us recreating a script from something that happened in the past. So let me tell you about a story that the author Jeremy Gucci tells in the beginning part of this book. He talks about Roman horses and he makes a provocative point that something we do now as a society as complex as going into space is actually still done based on a standard that was established 2,000 years ago. So something we do now was established 2,000 years ago. So the story he tells starts with NASA and the solid rocket booster that powered the space shuttle. You remember when the space shuttle went up, there were two booster rockets on either side of it, and they were the rockets that lifted it up a certain point, and then they would fly off and end up in the ocean. Well, these boosters were designed with a very specific measurement, which will play into the story. And that measurement is four feet, eight and a half inches. So you might ask why four feet, eight and a half inches. And the answer is that that choice dates back 2000 years ago to the Roman empire. So at the time the Romans controlled all of the land in their empire with their two horse Roman war chariots. If you've seen any gladiator movie like Ben-Hur, you have a picture in mind of what that chariot looks like. It's got two horses in the front and then the Roman gladiator is in the little chariot with the wheels. So these chariots would go all over the territory, all over the land, and they would create deep grooves wherever they went, the wheels basically creating grooves. So if you were a farmer, for instance, and you were driving your wagon through the same territory, you would get caught in that groove and it would end up breaking your axle unless you were smart. And if you were, you'd make your wagon axles the same width as the war chariots. And that width was, yes, four feet, eight and a half inches. So that's what happened. Basically, the farmers were following a precedent that was already established and it made their life easier. So it made sense at that point, And this is how this works every step along the way. At that point, it totally made sense to do it that way. 
So we move forward in time. The first railroads were built, and originally their purpose was for mining cars that were pulled by horses. And again, those railways, because it was based on the standard of the horse, were four feet, eight and a half inches wide. Well, that was the first railway. European railways followed that same practice, and their tracks were four feet, eight and a half inches wide. Again, makes sense. Probably in instances where they're designing this, they went back to the standards, the designs of someone that had created it before and said, well, it's just easier to do what they did, right? Why not just stay in the groove? Well, American railroads followed suit when they built railroads in the 1800s. Probably the same thing. They looked at what the Europeans did and said, well, it worked there. And could have been that they brought over engineering teams and bought supplies that were based on the standard in Europe. And again, their tracks were four feet, eight and a half inches wide. So now we've caught up to NASA. They've built this solid rocket booster for the space shuttle, and they're made in Utah, but then they have to be shipped down to Florida where they can be assembled with the space shuttle. Now, the boosters were a little bit wider than a train car, but still the overall design, when they put these boosters on a train car, that standard was set 2,000 years ago. And the boosters were designed since they knew they had to go from Utah to Florida on a railroad. They had to be no bigger than what would fit on a railroad. And that precedent was established 2,000 years ago. Now, if you think about it, there were probably multiple times during that 2,000 years where someone could have said, well, hold up, wait a minute. Why are we doing things this exact way. You know, they could have said, is this an opportunity maybe to rethink it or do something new? But for the most part, we're in a groove. And this is the point where maybe it's not a groove, maybe it's a rut, because maybe there would have been different ways that if someone had said, you know what, we don't have to do it the way we've always done it. We could do it differently. So the takeaway from this that I get is that we are often so dependent on these past decisions way more than we think. So first point is look at the decisions you make today and ask, is that something based on a decision that I made in the past? You know, there are places in your life where you're making decisions based on what you've done before. As I mentioned before, I live where I do right now because of a choice we made 25 years ago. And at the time, we made it based on the size that we expected our family to be. We made it based on the expectation that we would have children and we would want them to be able to go to schools. So that mattered. We needed a certain amount of space. We needed to be close to where work was for us at the time. So all of those decisions 25 years ago made sense then, but do they still make sense now? And I'll get to that in a little bit. Another example is my podcast. I mentioned up front that for 25 episodes, I've done it a certain way. I 
did the difficult work in the beginning of figuring out what that pattern was, what that routine, the structure was. And then because I wanted to be able to focus on other things, I just said, all right, that part's figured out. I don't have to touch that anymore. That was a decision I made in May, and I'm still doing things now based on that original decision. Now, it could be a good decision. I'm not saying that it's not, but there's an example of when I thought about recording this episode, I said to myself, well, I don't have to do it that way, do I? I could do it a different way. So the other thing that happened last week that kind of fit in nicely with this theme was an email I got. And this was an email from International Living Magazine. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but it's a company that basically helps people look at possibilities of living overseas, living and working. So it's either people that are retired or people that are considering the expat life. So international living, they do this. And somewhere I got on their email list and I keep getting emails from them. But there was something last week that made me think, huh, I'd like to know more about that. And maybe it was because I was reading this book and I was open to this idea of examining if I'm in a groove or I'm in a rut. And so I explored the emails more. It was interesting because I think up to that point, every time that I would think about the balance of my life and retirement, I would always assume, of course, I would live probably in the same house, perhaps in the same state, perhaps in the US. But when I looked at it here and I started to read these stories, I started to think a little bit differently and be willing to examine the choice of, is this still the best place for me to live? You know, there might be good reasons to consider living somewhere else. For instance, in one of the emails, they talked about a place, I think it was in Ecuador, and talking about the benefit of a lower cost of living. You know, you could live in Ecuador or Panama, for instance, for $2,000 a month, all in. That's your medical, your food, your entertainment, your apartment or home for $2,000 a month. Certainly a lot less than what we pay here. So that was kind of a, an interesting idea. And also living in a new place, you'd have new experiences. You'd be seeing a different part of the world. Now, I'm certainly not saying that I'm going to do this, but I think those two things in combination, reading the book about change and then getting this email, started to get me to think about what choices do I make in my life where I might be willing to pause and ask myself, am I in a groove or am I in a rut? I'm more open now, I think, to considering that idea of living somewhere else. I don't think I would just wholesale sell everything and go there. I don't know that I'm that adventurous, <laughs> but I certainly like the idea. There's places in the world that I've always thought, you know, I'd like to live somewhere else because I think, I mean, I've traveled a lot, but unless you live in a place, you don't really have a true sense of what it's like to be in that place. So I think that could be something that could really be meaningful. Now, you don't have to consider something as huge as moving. You could have smaller things that you change. You know, for instance, in the morning, I drink coffee, but 
I've also had chai and I like that. So I could consider maybe instead of being in that familiar practice of drinking coffee, maybe I'd switch to tea or I'd try chai and see if I like it. Experiment and see if it's something that I might enjoy more. Another example is I walk at a certain time of day. Lately, that was really based on the fact that it's been like 110 degrees out in the middle of the day. So I have to walk at like 530 in the morning. Otherwise, I get roasted. But the rest of the time of year, I might consider, well, do I have to walk at that time of day? Is there something I can do? Can I go on a different route? Can I try vary it up and add something new to my walk? So my question to you is, where are you in your life? You know, over the next week, think about, are there major things that you do? Are there minor things that you do where you could be open to the question of asking, are you in a groove with that thing? In other words, is it something that serves you? Or are you in a rut where maybe there's something about it that doesn't feel right? Like you just go, this doesn't bring me joy. It doesn't light me up. It doesn't excite me. And if that's the case, maybe you want to consider starting to make some small changes. Maybe this week, consider, is there one thing that you could mix up this week and notice how things are different? So if it's coffee, try a different beverage. If you listen to a podcast doing one thing, maybe try not doing anything and just listening to it that way. If it's a familiar route that you drive to the grocery store, maybe try a new route and see what you discover. I think if you have a regular meditation practice, this can be very helpful in this because meditation is all about being in the moment and being present exactly where you are and not getting caught up in all the things around you. So if you've ever thought about meditating, this might be a really great way to introduce this idea of being present, of being mindful. So as you think about your life in the week ahead, if you start to identify that, you know what, I do feel that I'm in a little bit of a rut and you don't quite know how to get out of it. One of the best ways that I know to move forward is to have a compelling vision for your future, something that literally excites you and gets you to move forward so that you have this passion of why you're doing something so that in the day-to-day, that is in your mind, that excitement of what you are moving towards. And that's something that I help people with to help develop a dream vision for your life. And one of the ways I do that is in one-hour phone call sessions that I do. If you're interested in that, you can go to my website, which is thorchalgren.com, and under work with me, you'll see, just click on that, and you'll see a book a session right there. And when you book it, you'll receive an email from me that outlines how we do this. Basically, I will send you a document that helps you prepare for the call, and then we'll have our call, and we will literally put you in the feeling place of what it feels like three years from now when some dream part of your life has been achieved. And imagine you and I are meeting and 
we haven't seen each other for three years, but the thing that you said you wanted to do right now has come true. You made it happen. And three years from now, when we meet, you're telling me all about it. So we're going to put you in that feeling place of what it feels like to really have accomplished that. Because this is such a powerful energy exercise, I limit these calls to a certain number per week so that I give you my best energy. So if you're interested, again, you can go to my website, thorchalgren.com and click on work with me. I really appreciate you listening today. I hope that you will definitely think about your life in the week ahead and start to look at the places where your life is working well, it's in a groove, but also be willing to ask, are there places where you might be in a rut? Until next time, thank you again for listening and here's to your success. All right. Thanks for listening to the Course Change Podcast. If you like this episode, I would be incredibly grateful to you if you'd jump over to the Apple Podcasts app and leave a five-star written review. This one simple act will help others find the show and build a community of people who support each other. You can always find me on Instagram, at Thor Chalgren. Send me a DM and let me know what you thought. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, here's to your success. Your success.